Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. My name is Patrick, and my good friend here, the Mia Goth to my Ty West, is Eric. Hello, Eric. I understood that reference. I'm really excited. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I still haven't seen Pearl, but I did really enjoy X. Yeah, Pearl's great. Just got nom- uh, Mia Goth just got nominated for a Spirit Award, which is cool. Have you seen it? You saw? Yeah, I did see it. I'm a fan. Oh, cool. It has this is embarrassing. Did you talk about it on this podcast? <laughs> I, I probably did. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I That's will say, has like, you're you're like yeah. yeah. I mean, good is is questionable, but you're you're a co-host. It's a subjective term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pearl has a great closing shot. I'm still I'm still thinking about it randomly. So, yeah. That's cool. Cool. So the idea of this podcast, we each watched a movie and then we watched a movie inspired by that film, but we'll get into that a little later. First, let's talk about what we watched recently. I watched a lot as usual. I'm sure you did as well. I sure. I watched things. (laughs) The problem is most of the things I watch go in and out of my brain so quickly. So nothing memorable. Yeah. I I guess I'd like to start. Uh, this portion of the podcast off with a question for you. Ooh, exciting. Yes. Yes. Uh, one thing I watched made me ask myself the question. I guess it's really two questions. Mm-hmm. Why is Paul Feig allowed to make movies? And <laughs> is he the most overrated person making movies who continually gets big budget movies and just makes really shitty movies? Wow. That's a lot to take in. I am not really a fan of his films. I'm going to look, look up what he's done besides Bridesmaids and, and uh, some other junk. Ghostbusters. Um, the, the Spy. Heat. The Heat. Yeah. Basically, uh, I think he's just a vehicle for Melissa McCarthy to make movies. And I, he made I a, her a simple favor, which I literally hated. <laughs> so, Is that the yeah. one with... Um, Mrs. Ryan Reynolds and yeah. Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Yes. 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 That was also terrible. Yes. Terrible. So, so the does... one I saw was the school yeah. for good and evil, which okay. is the new, well, not at this point, I guess it's been out around a month. It came out the end of October on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It is two and a half hours. It's a really cool. I thought a really cool concept, even though it is incredibly Harry Potter derivative, um, there's a school for good and evil. Shocking spoiler in the titles. Thanks. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's about fairy tales. So you go to this school and you're sorted into one of the two houses. You're either going to become a prince slash princess or an evil person. And kind of a fun concept. The movie is two and a half hours long and it Oof. feels two and a half hours long, Oof, but it also somehow time. feels rushed. And I went into this knowing really nothing about it besides seeing the trailer. It's got an all-star cast. It is Charlize Theron. Lawrence Fishburne plays like the um, Dumbledore kind of character. I forget who else. Oh, yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. And um, oh, my God. Why can't I think of her name? Kerry Washington. Kerry Washington. Yeah. Great start to the podcast. 
names. I think the two girls are also popular, but they're from like Nickelodeon, like kids stuff. So I don't feel bad about not knowing their names. Sophia something or other. Right. And um, yeah, but it is just so bad. <laughs> okay. Wow. So bad. It's boring. It doesn't make any sense in places. You could tell um, that it is based on a book, which I did not know going in. And I was like, I bet this would be a really cool book. And lo and behold, it is. I'm only like halfway through it, but it is already mm-hmm. so much better. Some of the changes they made don't make any sense. Like, I totally understand adaptations and you have to change things. But right. just little things that would have added so much more depth to a film that is so flat and so poorly done. And I don't know why people keep giving Paul Feig money to make movies. I mean, uh, he must be doing something right for audiences because he's producing a lot. He's directing a lot. So good for him, I guess. I guess. But yeah. But I give it to someone has... better, please. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, jive with his sense of humor. I don't think he has any craft behind the camera. So yeah, I'm with you. Well, I'm going to talk about something that's complete opposite of what you just talked about. First off, I liked it. (laughs) Second, it's a movie called Pleasure, um, just from last year, directed by Ninja Thyberg. What a cool name. Ninja Thyberg? Yeah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. But Pleasure is about a, a young girl who wants to break into the porn industry. She's 20 years old. She moves to L.A. from... um, Sweden and she you know tries to make it important and it's got this very fun behind the scenes look at that industry but it also has very harrowing scenes um and it balances well between the two essentially it's a uh you know it's a it's a hero's journey type rise and fall of a character and it just does so with a fresh energy and a cool underused uh backdrop of the porn industry yeah it's very very good i enjoyed it i mean as someone with uh, some experience in the after in in the uh you know the genre i don't know that porn is really under you oh you mean as a regular film (laughs) yes as a regular film (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) but um uh so it stars a lot of uh, real porn actors, and it does have a lot of real genitalia. Uh, Zelda Morrison is an actress who is plays one of her the main character's friends. She's a real porn star, but she is incredible in this movie. So natural, so full of energy, so just just a really great performance. It's one of my favorites of the year, to be honest. So Zelda Morrison, look up her movies. <laughs> maybe not in Google, maybe in uh, IMDb. Yes. Um, let me quickly talk about another film that um, kind of similar in a way. Uh, Zola from, from last year as well. Zola is based on that viral Twitter story that uh, about some girl who gets think she's going on a road trip with a stripper friend and then the road trip gets crazier and crazier. Have you read that Twitter thread anywhere? No. 
So yeah, it went viral and it's the, the idea of making a movie based on a Twitter thread is not very enticing, but it's really good. Directed by Janixa Bravo, another cool name. Um, and has really great performances by Taylor Page and Riley Keough as the uh, stripper who brings the main character out on this wild road trip. And Coleman Domingo shows up. He's really cool in this movie. And it's, yeah, it's just another one full of energy, very fast-paced, very imaginative camera work. And it takes this kind of a crazy road trip story, which we've probably seen a lot of those, and just really hits it really well. So enjoyed it mostly for the performances and the direction. Just really great all around. Zola, cool. Have you seen anything else you want to talk about? I did. I saw the 2022 blockbuster Black Adam, Ooh. which continues DC's string of very mediocre releases. Okay. Okay. I think DC, I think, is in a tough spot because. Everything they do feels so derivative of Marvel. Um, there's a lot of back and forth between the two, even like in the comic books and in in the movies now, where it just seems like these characters are all very the same, and I know exactly what's going to happen. Um, for instance, there's a character in this movie played by Pierce Brosnan. He is a magician. <laughs> he has... Uh, the ability to see through different times and different time possibilities. And his magic looks like very kaleidoscopic and mirror-y. And his name is Dr. Fate. Oh, God. Okay. like, why? (laughs) Why are you doing this? There's a man with wings, not like, you know, like eagle wings coming out of his chest. And he's named is Hawkman. And I'm oh, like, God. this is like the wish version of a Marvel movie. <laughs> like, how do you take arguably one of, if not the biggest star in movies of like the last decade, whose whole brand is built on just his personal charisma in The Rock and just make him one note? I mean, maybe that's the character, but he is so flat in this movie. And again, I know nothing about DC, especially I know a lot about the movies like comic book movies and stuff, but in terms of the source material, I don't know a lot, but he seems basically the same as Superman, only not an alien. Uh And the movie just, there's nothing special about it. And they make all of these weird choices. The movie, first of all, starts with like a 15 to 20 minute prologue that happens 10,000 years in the past. Oh God. To explain. And I, by the time the prologue was over, I was like, is this the movie? What (laughs) am I even watching? It's so confusing. Oh, And and the confusing thing about it is the one character is um, like a professor of some sort. They never say really what, but why wouldn't they just open with her talking about this legend of whatever black Adam's real name is. I forget. It's something you know, vaguely Middle Eastern, which is where the movie takes place in this Middle Eastern country. And it's just, there are very simple things that I feel like DC could do to make their movies at least slightly compelling. And they just refuse to do them. Like nobody wants to sit through 20 minutes of backstory exposition dump, which is exactly what it's like a voiceover. You're watching this thing. You're he- 
and just listening to someone talk over it, talk about this weird mythology when it could be Uh like a five minute scene with this professor, Indiana Jones style. Like, so yeah, that's how black Adam happened. Any questions? (laughs) And now we have to go on our cool. Like it could be a cool kind of treasure hunting thing. Cause that's how they wake black Adam up is like going to this archeological site. And I'm just like, that would be so much more fun and less time. Right. Uh, I don't know. I maybe, I don't know if people are clamoring to see the entire origin stories of these heroes, or if it's just like they've been making these comic book movies the same way for so long that it's just expected that they have the whole origin played out. But the thing is, because watching this movie, I I agree that there, there is that urge to do that. And I think sometimes I get it. Uh-huh. But the the two characters, the one uh, Dr. Fate played by Pierce Brosnan and Hawkman, the inventively named Hawkman, played by uh, Aldous Hodge. They're just dropped in there. I don't know what they can do until they do it. There are two other characters who I still don't know what they do besides get big. There's Giant Man. <laughs> Adam Smasher. I'm sorry. Not Man. Adam Smasher. Okay. It's larger by... Altering his genetic makeup. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, right. Oh, that's weird. It sounds exactly like Ant-Man, but not. Um, so they don't. I actually went through IMDb after the movie to see, like, were these characters in the other movies? Are they in post credit scenes? Nope. This is their first credit. And then they just introduce them and they die or do whatever in some uh-huh. cases. And you're just like, I don't know these characters. And I don't. Am I what what are we doing here? I get yeah, I guess that's for the fans, but you can't alienate people who don't know the comics, you know. That's that's a right. problem. So it's like they do both things. They they go way too in depth in some things and then they're just like, "Oh, here are these guys." He's right. got a helmet. It does things, I guess. Well, I wouldn't have expected Black Adam to handle things elegantly. <laughs> I wouldn't, but you know, you would, you have this big star, just let him be himself and, and do fun things. Right. Right. And th- their humor is so dumb. Mm-hmm. The, the black Adam character, like when they do let the rock do some things, I guess the choice is to walk through walls instead of use doors, even when they're two feet away. And somebody <laughs> says to him, so I guess they didn't have doors back then, huh? And he's like, no, they did. It's just like, well, why are you doing what? <laughs> I guess it's a funny visual and they just needed to, they couldn't figure out a joke to make it work. <laughs> it still didn't work. Know. Oddly no, enough, man. millions and millions of dollars. Well, I have not seen Black Adam. I'll probably avoid it. I am not a... Um, comic book connoisseur but i do know that dc and marvel basically had the same heroes in the comic book show up you know like dr fate and dr strange mm-hmm. i don't know which one came first dr fate might be the first one for all we know it's uh they, i guess it's less obvious if you're only reading like one of the comics but when when these movies are so so uh so much in the zeitgeist you know we just know, like everyone knows who Dr. Strange is at this point, you know? Right. It seems like a copycat, regardless of who did it yeah. first in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what the answer is on that front, but it's just so glaring when 
even if you don't like Marvel movies, they do a good job of introducing characters and kind of setting their rules and showing mm-hmm. you what they can do and making it look good. Uh-huh. Um, and then DC just takes out these, you know, the wish version of Dr. Strange, <laughs> you know, and it's just the script's not good to begin with. And then you have these characters that seem like, you know, these ripoffs basically is what it comes across as. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a shame. Like at least make the magic look different or something like visually right, right. Change, change it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, DC, you can hire us. We, we will be your script doctors. Yeah. We'll doctor that script. <laughs> I'll just insert fart noises. There you go. <laughs> so um, I'm going to talk about two movies that are in the same sphere. I rewatched Black Panther in preparation for Wakanda Forever, which I also saw. Did you see it yet? I have not gotten a chance to see it yet. I will I'm say that behind. Black Panther is better than I thought it would be, thought it was the first time I saw it. I think it does a lot of things right. I think it hits the social commentary really well. I think that it has a strong climax. So I was just impressed with Black Panther when I originally thought it was more of an average Marvel movie. I kind of like it more now. But the re- the sequel, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, not as good, in my opinion. Maybe if I revisit it in the future, I'll like it. But it has a lot of heavy lif- lifting to do. You got to deal with the death of the main character. You know, you have to set up what's going on in Wakanda after that as well. And then you have to introduce this whole other villain and society that the story is really about. It's just a lot. And I don't think, I think it was too much. I don't think it worked as well. Perfectly average Marvel movie, in my opinion, this time. It's also odd to release, speaking of comedy, of, of uh, commonalities between the, the two comic uh, companies, this basically has Aquaman clan in it. So I kept thinking about Aquaman, like, oh, DC did Aquaman first, (laughs) and now Marvel's copying Aquaman. So, you know, same thing, same thing. That's interesting. I don't know much about Namor the Submariner, Yeah. although I just want to say Submariner all the time, even though I know that's not right. (laughs) Yeah, Namor is, you know, what they call him. And uh, yeah, I didn't even know, like, I didn't know he was a gonna he was a regular comic guy you know in the comics i just didn't know figured he was like a one-off villain or they made him up or whatever but i learned afterwards that he's uh more popular than i thought um we'll talk about two more movies did you see don't worry darling no i have less than no desire to see that which i know is not possible but (laughs) it's true after hearing so much about the production i was tired of hearing about the movie to begin with oh yes i just don't care i just don't care a lot of controversy behind the production won't go into it but uh olivia wilde directed it came out this year earlier this year it's got florence Pugh and harry styles and chris pine and olivia wilde great cast cool concept for a story but that's all it is concept we've seen many times before the script has a lot of problems i don't know if that's because of the chaos on set (laughs) but there's things that pop up in the script that are never addressed later and it goes to 
the most obvious place that you'd think it would go. And it really just copies off of Stepford Wives, um, just changing the like the what was happening around. It's basically mm-hmm. Stepford Wives, and Stepford Wives is great. And you know, this isn't. Um, it does have Florence Pugh in pretty dresses, if that's your thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I'll save the best movie I saw for last: Red Rocket from uh, Sean Baker. Sean Baker made Tangerine and um, Florida Project. Have you seen Florida Project? Seems like a movie you may have watched. It's got Willem Dafoe in it. (laughs) Anyway, Sean Baker has made these movies that are, they're like A24 type movies. They're very, they're, they're low budget, but he does a lot with the budget and they, focus on like a real life kind of microcosm or community or like group or whatever, like Florida project um, took place in the very cheap hotels outside of Disney world that, you know, people who worked in Disney world would like live there in these hotels or people that got gypped and tried to get a cheap hotel thinking it was like near Disney world would like stop there or, Mm. you know, sex workers would like work out of these hotel rooms. Anyway, Willem Dafoe is a, the manager of one of these hotels. But the movie I just saw, Red Rocket, his newest one, is about an ex-porn star who goes back to his hometown because he's kind of at the end of uh, his rope. He's got no money left. He's got nothing going on in his life. And he goes back to his hometown. And Simon Rex, who did some real porn, <laughs> plays the main actor. Um, and it's just about him kind of reconnecting with some people used to know, but also using them. Uh, he's so charismatic, the guy, but he's also one of those guys that like uses people all the time. Very self-centered. And it's a really great performance, really great movie. What I love about Sean Baker is that he uses um, a lot of real people in his movies, like non-professional actors. And this movie's full of it. You know, you got... Simon Rex and, and Susanna's son, the two main characters, but everybody else is basically people that he found off the street. It's really, it's really great. It's two and a half hours, but it, it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> you know, it's a good one. I would recommend Red Rocket. I'm pretty sure I ordered that for the library, mm. but I haven't checked it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely give it a shot. Give it Sean Baker a shot. You watching porn centric movies. So <laughs> the way it happened was I just recently got access to Showtime. So you can blame Showtime for this because I had a bunch of stuff on my watch list and they all popped up on Showtime. So <laughs> uh, it would have been these, even more perfect if it was Skinamax. The, the three movies that are porn related, Pleasure, Zola, and Red Rocket, were um, all Independent Spirit Award nominees in various capacities last year. So I kind of been reading about them and always wanted to check them out. So got my chance. Well, good for you. (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, No, I don't think so. All right. Well, I think it's time we go into our main topic. We each picked, we each watched a movie picked by the much better guest host I had last episode. 
Ed. Thank oh, you, Ed, up. for picking a, picking a nice movie for us to watch. And uh, Eric, would you like to introduce that movie? Yes. This film is a film about a Vietnam veteran who redefines the term handicapable when he escorts the whiniest orphan on planet Earth from Florida to reunite him with his father in Reno. His father is also the blind man's veteran, the blind veteran's combat buddy and unwilling drug chemist. All the while, they dodge the misfit band of toughs led by Nick Cassavetes, who also (laughs) want to steal the boy. Yep. And that movie is Blind Fury from 1989, directed by Philip Noyce. Noyce. This movie was hot trash, and I loved every second. <laughs> All right, hot trash. I like it. It's This is definitely a, I don't know what kind of tone. It's like half comedy, half action, half tr- drama. It's one and a half movies in one. <laughs> I don't know what they were going for. But I laughed my ass off the entire time. <laughs> it's like a wandering uh, cowboy, wandering samurai story. You know, it was based off of uh, Zetoichi, the Japanese, famous Japanese film series of the Blind Swordsman. I'm glad you and said it because I was going to say Zetoichi. <laughs> <laughs> it might be Zetoichi. Like a true round eye. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, but Rucker Hauer is the star here, and I think he does a great job at. For, uh, pretending to be blind and Does he? doing uh yeah yeah i mean in the context of this movie he he was i enjoyed every time he was on screen uh i mean i feel like you know a movie is going to be great when it starts with a training montage <laughs> yes which is like <laughs> basically there's about 30 seconds of him stumbling around what is supposed to be vietnam but clearly is not vietnam right <laughs> um blind after some kind of attack and then he just wakes up and there's a bunch of uh asian people making fun of him because he's blind and can't chop a melon with a sword <laughs> right and they throw it which is like my favorite thing immediately the guy's like hey can you chop this melon with the sword and just throws it in the air and of course he misses because he's fucking blind man. <laughs> and the whole village just laughs at him right. <laughs> like, yeah pick on the cripple <laughs> but it spurs him on <laughs> yeah it spurs him on he trains with this sword he gets a cool sword cane and eventually like quarters a melon in two slashes yeah great it was uh, the uh the training montage went from like zero to 60 because he can't do anything and then suddenly he's great <laughs> yeah just like out of nowhere <laughs> loved it and then it cuts to 20 years in the future which i mean they should have just said his training took 20 years Right, I know, because we all know how he got back to uh, America or why he just or is why, back and just yeah. and just wandering around, just wandering around. <laughs> he looks like he might be homeless, yeah. very much like a uh, I almost said Rocky, a Rambo vibe of this, you know, veteran walking down the highway, stops mm-hmm. in front of an alligator and says "Nice doggy," which was just <laughs> <laughs> amazing for someone who could sword fight while blind. He can't tell an alligator from a dog. (laughs) That was one of the things that did not bother me at all. It was a very charming little idiosyncrasy, but he goes inexplicably from basically being daredevil, Mm -hmm. like with his ability to just supernaturally sense everything around him to, you know, walking into a wall or whatever, to being completely the other way. Right. And I didn't sense that it was like his, he was just pretending to be, because there's points where he's pretending to be less capable than he is. But 
sometimes an incense that he was just incapable <laughs> yeah it was very odd like he had to turn on his superpowers or something yeah and yeah. so many people mess with him during this movie it is i know people are so great. mean like people are so <laughs> in the 80s were people just mean to blind people just for fun like <laughs> right? the first scene when he's in america he's like at this restaurant eating a burrito and this jerk is like, hey, I'm going to mess with the blind guy. And he's like, hey, you need some sauce for your burrito. And he <laughs> puts on the hot sauce, even though he asked for the mild sauce. And then, of course, he has to kick all of their asses. And he does. Yep. 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 And it's, you know, it was fun to watch. The action scenes, not great action scenes, but entertaining. You know, they did what they had to do. Yeah. I think that the only problem I had with the action scenes was that I felt like they should have been much bloodier. The first time he goes up against the mobsters at the his Vietnam vet's friend's house, who he goes to to visit, and then finds that the mob is after this guy and want to kidnap his son. Uh, so, of course, uh, Rucker Hauer fights off the mob, and he cuts off one of their hands, rubber hand flying through the air. Amazing. <laughs> so good. With the gun still in it. And then <laughs> the hand hits the ground, and then the gun fires. <laughs> yes. I'm like this guy was still shooting his gun. It's like predator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like that was the only scene of like real, actual physical harm, like violence. It really needed to be bloodier because he hacks his way through it. Like I don't know, dozens of people during this movie, but they all kind of just slump over without uh, uh without any it- real impact. It's also inconsistent of when his sword cuts people and when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like there are times where he's doing the same slash, which like actually kind of looked cool. I thought he does this double slash all the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are getting cut and sometimes they're not. And I'm just like, is he missing? But they're still getting knocked out. Like, I don't understand what what that was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was hitting them with the flat of his sword or what, but it just felt to me like they just were, they, I don't know, maybe things were cut from, uh, to get a PG-13 or something. I don't know. Uh, it was great. What'd you think about the kid? <laughs> uh, I think I covered that. The whiniest orphan in the world. <laughs> yes. I think I love the kid. how... Oh my God, this is a fun fact. I was sitting there and I'm like, I know this kid. Why do I know this little shithead? Really? (laughs) And I was like, I thought that he was in home improvement with Tim Allen as one of the kids. Okay. I was only slightly wrong because he was the kid in step by step. Really? He was one of the kids. He was one of Patrick Duffy slash Suzanne Summers kids in step by step. I looked him up on IMDb. I'm like, why does this kid look familiar? He did not <laughs> get no any idea. less slappable as he got older. <laughs> I had no idea because honestly, I thought the kid wasn't great. I'm like, ah, oh no, he's child actors. Yeah, so I'm like, he's this is probably his only movie. I didn't know he was on a very famous sitcom for you know for years. years. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I love most of Rutger Hauer's work. But I thought everyone in this was terrible. <laughs> they were trying to get some like chemistry between him and the kid, and it just wasn't working. You know, it was not working. The um, all of the villains were like cartoon villains. Mm-hmm. My favorite part was when Nick Cassavetes like they they end up in the back of this van kidnapped, and he's playing with his sword cane, and he figures out it's a sword, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh. 
and, and he cuts his finger on it. And he goes, <laughs> yeah. The damn thing is cursed and throws it out the window. And I'm like, no, dude, you just cut yourself in a sword like a moron. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. They made a really big deal about finding that cane, too. It was like a whole bunch of scenes. <laughs> it was a whole bunch of scenes. So he tells the kid to start counting right after they, they throw yeah. the sword out the window. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why is he having this kid count? Mm-hmm. So then, you know, they, they obviously end up beating these guys up and stealing their van. And then he has the kid start counting from there. And I'm like, why wouldn't he just tell the kid to look, remember where they are? <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. My if thought was why they... at different speeds. You don't right. know just because you count to 30 at 50 <laughs> miles an hour is completely different from 30 at 70 miles an hour. Like this makes no sense. Just yeah. say, hey, kid, look out the fucking window and tell me where we are. Yeah, remember where we are. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. My thought was, why didn't he just count himself? But yours makes much more sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of like goofy moments that it w- they're bad, but they're it was still fun to watch. You know, it wasn't like intolerably bad. Yeah, I loved the scene. This tells you how bad the acting in this movie was. Uh, they have this when he finally the kid doesn't know his mom is dead for a while because he got knocked yes. out or something. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he finally tells him that his mom is dead, but they cut all the dialogue and just head to a yeah. crane shot that zooms out. <laughs> because clearly neither one of them could just get this shot. Neither one of them could pull off crying. Or, I know, like acting sad. I'm <laughs> just like, fuck it. We'll just hit a crane shot and zoom out and have no dialogue. Uh, I noticed shake that his too. head after like 30 seconds. Yeah, that's hilarious. I noticed that too with the pullout. I'm because I was like, oh man, how is this kid going to act when his mom when he finds out his mom is dead? He can barely do anything normally. <laughs> yep. So good choice on their part. And good then the kid choice. runs into a cornfield, and you have a cool cornfield fight. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. And um, I loved it. I would watch this anytime. It's got Tex Cobb as the, one of the bad guys, the big bad. He was cool from Raising Arizona. Oh, that's why he looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. I read some of the trivia for this movie, and I would encourage mm-hmm. everyone to go to the IMDb trivia page. This is um, a Marvel movie. Oh, wow. Not really. It's inspired, though. They named the characters after Nick Fury and... Um, their names are Nick and what's what's the other one's name? I don't remember. Well, they're named after oh, uh, Frank Castle. Oh, <laughs> they're supposed okay. to be the Punisher oh, against wow. Nick Fury. I forget what the other uh, combinations they were. Like his, he's he, the blind guy has the powers of a character in Daredevil stick or sticks that I've never heard of and hasn't been in any of the movies or TV shows. Okay. And I'm like, no, you, you mean daredevil. He has daredevil's power. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, what did you oh. think about the, uh, the climax where they brought in that, uh, Japanese, uh, Shokasugi. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, what? And <laughs> I mean, it was cool, but I just wanted him in there for more than like two or three minutes of screen time. Right. Right. Uh, He's clearly in so many of my favorite movies when I was a kid, like all yeah. of those. I, I feel like he was in every one. Yeah. 
of the uh, ninja movies that they yeah made enter the, the ninja ninja three revenge of the ninja if it had ninja in the title he was in it nine deaths of the ninja including ninja assassin the newer Which one you know i love i do i do i don't know he's how you he's... don't but whatever <laughs> oh my god that was his last movie well at least he went out uh, getting electrocuted in a hot tub like we all would love to be. <laughs> that's that's the dream. <laughs> so, um, yeah, overall, it was a definitely just a product of its time uh, with that music. Uh, I wrote in my letterbox review that the music felt like it reminded me of playing Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> that that <laughs> like, weird uh, like 80s jazz, jazzy, I don't know. Yep. Low yeah. elevator music it was just so tonally off there's something off about the movie but it's a fun as as a yeah. film i i this is one of those things that i give two wildly different ratings if you're right. asking me on the, the letterbox scale as yeah. an actual movie this is like a one one and a half mm-hmm. but as a piece of entertainment get, give it 12 give it 15 <laughs> give oh it wow all of the boxes in letterboxd <laughs> oh, you really enjoyed it. I loved it. I enjoyed this it. Maybe is... not as much as you, but I yeah. I enjoyed it. Oh. I ended up giving it a two and a half. What the yeah. hell is wrong with you? <laughs> right, right down the middle. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll have to thank Ed for giving us a uh, something that we both enjoyed. Where did he come up with that? He pulled it off of our list. That I was on our out. list? Yeah, it was on our list. I put it on there, and he uh, he took a look and pulled that one. That must have been on your list. It was, yes. Well, I All refuse right. to thank you. <laughs> so, as we do on this podcast, we each watch something inspired by Blind Fury. Would you like to go first, Eric? Yes. I was really in the mood to continue watching the handy capable be you know just use their superpowers because i think these movies want us to believe that when you have a handicap you gain other superpowers which yeah, i think yeah. is true so <laughs> i watched a movie that i've wanted to watch for a long time called don't breathe from 2016 oh good choice. feed alvarez and I really also enjoyed this one. It was not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, he was less handy capable than I had assumed he was from the trailers, mm-hmm. but still a really enjoyable for the most part. I was on the side of the blind man until the last like 15 or 20 minutes. Right. Um, obviously. Basically the, the story is these, Three tool bag teenagers decide to break in a bunch of houses. They want to move to California and they hear about this blind guy whose daughter, a uh, blind veteran whose daughter was uh, killed in a hit and run or you know, reckless driving accident by this rich family in shout out to Gross Point, Michigan, um, which is where <laughs> a lot of a lot of old, old money in Michigan is. Um of course, the girl gets away with it, but there's some kind of settlement, so they know he has a lot of cash. The one character's father owns a security company, so they can break into his house, kind of. Um, and it turns out that he is a badass and just 
beats the crap out of these kids who yeah. deserve it. It does go a little off the rails when it turns out that he has also kidnapped the girl who uh, vehicularly homicided his daughter. Right. Um, which I was still like, okay, you know, a father's grief and rage may be a little weird, but then you find out that he was artificially inseminating her and then was going to do that to the main female character, which is where he kind of lost me a little bit. In my <laughs> yeah. Who do you root for at that point? <laughs> I was rooting for the dog. There is a dog. Movie, <laughs> yes. and I was like, eat them both, buddy. <laughs> I won't say how it ended, but um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, this is uh, Stephen Lang right after Avatar. And uh, he's uh, Stephen Lang's great every time I see him. He's always entertaining. There were so many um, cool shots in this movie. There was a lot of camera Mm -hmm. motion. There were a lot of cool high angle shots of, I would assume, 2016. I don't have a good handle on the tech level at that point. I would Mm -hmm. assume they were drones, like the very early drone footage maybe or crane shots it could have been but i really enjoyed how uh feed or fide i have no idea how to say that name right (laughs) they both sound wrong to me (laughs) alvarez how mr alvarez uh directed this film i really enjoyed his visual style as well very good with setting up and paying off suspense um you know when they're in the house and you know, they're trying to avoid this blind man and he's just walking by them, you know, that, that was really, really suspenseful stuff there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really liked this movie. Cool. Good. Yeah. I just wish they kept it as a, as a blind man, just defending his property instead of, Oh, this guy's a psycho with a Turkey baster and a jar of (laughs) semen. (laughs) What's wrong with that? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everybody have that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, they did make a sequel. I have no idea what it's about. Um, But I hope it's him hunting down that girl. Uh, The blind man has been hiding out for several years in an isolated cabin. He's taken in and raised a young girl orphaned from a devastated house fire. Their life together is shattered when a group of criminals kidnap the girl. Bad move. Yep. Don't don't. Now I guess you got to root for the blind man in this one, even after what he did in the first one. <laughs> All right. What did well, you watch? I, uh, as I hinted out earlier, Blind Fury was based off of the famous twenty-five movie series of Zadoichi from Japan. So I watched the first one, The Tale of Zadoichi from 1962. Mm. Directed by Kenji Misumi and starring Shintaro Katsu as Zadoichi. <laughs> and it is the archetype of a wandering samurai story. I don't know if this came first or if it was Yojimbo and Sanjuro which came first, uh, Kurosawa's movies, which were also wandering samurai type movies. Mm-hmm. But this this is exactly what you'd expect. Zedoichi is just a really good swordsman who happens to be blind, and he is just um, wandering around. He visits somebody. He's visiting somebody in this little town that he like met a couple years ago, and it has a similar scene 
that blind fury had where he's at he's at this like uh gambling hall waiting for this guy and people notice he's blind so they you know he starts gambling with them and they start to like steal his money because they can see what's happening and he can't but he turns the table on them uh and takes all their money in a cool way which i won't get into because it's complicated but it was cool uh it's it's just similar idea where people are underestimating this main character right at the beginning of the movie and you get the scene of how he's actually really capable that scene was almost directly put into blind fury yeah yeah this wasn't gambling in blind fury it was burritos but it's the same idea. <laughs> no, I would, there was a gambling scene with the, the roulette wheel. Oh, the roulette wheel later on. I forgot about that. Yeah. And he gets to Reno and he's, he's, he's playing roulette and he's winning mm-hmm. somehow. It, it, weird. Yeah, that was, it, that didn't make sense how he was winning, but whatever. He I could don't do know it. how he was winning initially, <laughs> but then they bring in, you know, this guy with a device that's stopping the wheel. Yeah. And he can hear it because of his ears. Yep. Yeah. Great. Just great. <laughs> he starts a whole rampage inside the, the den of the mob. Yep, yep. So uh, this place that Zedoichi is in, it happens to be the Yakuza, like a Yakuza den. Like the guy he was meeting was part of the Yakuza. And the guy's like, hey, we're going to start a war with this other Yakuza clan. Uh, would you like to stay and help us? I know you're a great swordsman. He's like, sure, if you pay me, <laughs> basically. And then it's just, but then he... Um, you know, it's just kind of building up all the relationships in this town while Zedoichi is there hanging around. And then he meets up with the samurai, the famous swordsman that the other side had hired. And they develop like this friendship before the war even starts. And it's really about like, oh, what's going to happen? The honor between these two guys when the war starts and they're each hired to fight each other. And then uh, I won't go into details, but it was a, a satisfying ending. Not very big on the action. There's action few and far between. The climax is a lot of action. Uh, otherwise, there's maybe like two sword fights in the rest of the movie, but still very engaging. Tight 90 minutes. And um, just like, I don't know, I really respond i responded to sanjuro and yojimbo in the same way it's just like cool to see like a standalone story you know this guy wanders into the town you get the story of the town and his interactions with the town and at the end of the movie of course he wanders away to another adventure somewhere sounds like a great role-playing game yes exactly (laughs) it does and uh, you know i'm sure it um it would be cool to watch all 25 of these movies, but you know, it sounds like if that's the way they play out, you don't have to watch them in order. You can just kind of watch any of them. and It'll just be like one adventure of Zedoichi. So I was a fan. It was great to see this archetype uh, done solidly. So I gave it three and a half stars. Wow. Yeah. All right, Eric. I think it's time to pick a new movie for next episode. Whose turn is it to roll the dice? Uh, I'd let you roll since I don't remember. And uh, since I organized the movies earlier today, we have 20 of them ready to go. All right. Let's, uh, Let's see what we get here. Uh, we have a Kraken. I don't know what number that's supposed to be. Oh, it's a 20. 
Oh, a natural 20, which means it's the highest rated movie on our list, which is <gasps> Rolling Thunder. Love that Roll- roller coaster and great adventure. <laughs> Rolling Thunder, 1977, directed by John Flynn, who another Vietnam veteran returns home. Treated like a hero, when thugs invade his home to steal the silver coins he received for his service, they mangle his hand and leave him and his family for dead. He survives and becomes obsessed with getting revenge. Wow. Yep. This movie stars... Holy crap, I'm looking at the cast right now, yeah. Yep. It's got, it's got Tommy Lee Jones, Dabney Coleman, and William, William Devane is the main character. Um, this movie, the only thing I know about it is that Tarantino named his production company Rolling Thunder after this movie. So we shall see. Well, I'm glad I get to watch it. Yeah, yeah. It is playing on Tubi and Pluto. So uh, we will reconvene in two weeks where we will have watched Rolling Thunder and then hopefully some other good movies as well. I guess it's time to bring this episode to a close. Uh, as always, my name is Patrick. You can check out my other projects at proleary.com. Follow Letterboxd. My name on there is Long Monkey or Patrick O'Leary. And I have a new Letterbox list where you can recommend movies to us to watch. So if anybody wants to go on there and just add movies to it, uh, we already got one recommendation, uh, which we will add to our list and maybe get to. What is it? Who who gave it to us? Can we can we see who give, gives us these recommendations so we can hunt yes. them down? People have to them on the internet. <laughs> people on have YouTube to comment Twitter. on the list. And the this was uh, done by a friend of ours. This recommendation, uh, the better co-host Ed, <laughs> he recommended Marcel the the shell with shoes on. Have you seen that or what? the internet videos it was based on? No. <laughs> he looks so confused this, right now. Is this something his kid made him put? No, he, uh, this is a highly rated movie. People seem to love it. So it just I got nominated for a Spirit Award. <laughs> anyway, maybe we'll watch that. But in the meantime, go check out my letterbox and add some other movies. Eric, is there anything you would like to plug? Yes, uh, you could follow my new Twitter handle. It's Long Monkey with a blue check mark. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, well, and I just uh, post all kinds of things that Pat, uh, Pat dictates to me. Yeah, these are the words right. of Pat. So when you go check out those tweets, just know that this is this is your host speaking. It's legit. It's got the blue check mark. You can't, you can't buy that. <laughs> You can't put a price on authenticity. Yes. All right, Eric. Well, thank you once again for co-hosting with me. It's glad to have you back. Yeah. Good to be back, I guess, watching these terrible movies. (laughs) And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good night and sweet dreams.